Welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. Today, joined by a very special guest, Mr. Robin Diaz. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, Mr. Cody Tucker. How are you, man? Dude, I am. Could not be better. Could not be better. Hell yeah, man. So, first off, before we get rolling into anything, like, what do you have to promote? Is there anything that you'd like to tell anyone that you'd like to promote? Where can people find you? All that kind of good I mean, stuff i don't do i don't I, yeah just instagram i guess just robin Diaz. Uh, i have a website robin um but i don't go around like like saluting that flag i mean i it's a different generation than i am but it's there i, I was told years ago you got to do that and it's there i mean uh you can catch me on tour but right now um yeah there's a facebook uh no twitter no tick tickety talk talk um but yeah instagram and my website so just robindeas.com or or instagram uh, or you can catch hell me yeah. yeah hell yeah dude so you were telling me last night i guess it was, it was last night right that you did yeah. the gig at the whiskey yeah. dude i have been thinking about this like ever since we talked about that like i i mean i try not to keep my jealousy at bay but dude like that has to be i mean i'm sure that's not the first time you played there is it no, it? dude. I've, okay. I've been playing there since like the early nineties. I was like, in high school. incredible. Like I have a just kind of fascination with like rock history and lore and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sure you probably do as well. I mean, being in the the biz, yeah. but like the whiskey is one of those places where I'm just so fascinated by like the history of it. I mean, like with like the doors. That's why I keep old Jimmy's nipple right yeah. there for everyone to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so hey, the whiskey sort of got the whiskey. Dude. So whenever you're playing there, like is part of you kind of like, like, are you aware of that when you're doing it? Or is it just kind of like, ah, here's another place. Like, let's do the show. No, because you got to pay your homage and you got to always, you know, give thanks and gratitude and, and bless and praise everything and everyone around you and, and always appreciate the spaces that you're in. And no, I don't forget that because that's where a lot of my idols have began. Um, it's where the first place, like, you know, the, the doors began. And um, I mean, I, I can go on, but like um, Oasis had their first show here in the States. Um, Led Zeppelin, The Whiskey, 69. I mean, yeah. it goes on and on. And it, yeah, man, I mean, I, I shot a video in there in 99, 98, um, like a live video. And I've done with with Daughtry, we've done Halloween private shows there, or we on K Rock, or we announce a show different with different bands. Uh, announce a show like this afternoon, blah blah blah, at the Whiskey, and then you see a lineup of people, and it's like, wow, I'm in my hometown. This is so cool, and just thankful that to play music and have people show up to see your band. It's a beautiful and, and amazing, joyous feeling. Oh yeah, and I mean the you know and i don't want to like chop it all down to luck but i'm sure luck has you know something to do with it Absolutely. but like yeah. but the determination to be i mean if you think about it how many people start off like probably at the same level like i'm gonna do this and then it just doesn't happen for whatever reason doesn't happen but like you know for you to make the leap to where shit this is like my life like that is i mean the rarity of that has to be just insane. Look, dude, I hear you. And yes, um, there's not a day I don't take any 
of people like you, the, this industry, um, music, my life, my four limbs, uh, the air I breathe, um, the people I get to meet and greet, I don't take any of that for granted because I know it can be taken away like that. At the same time, um, I, I know it is luck. It's luck, but it's also hard work, perseverance. And, and there's a saying is um, you gotta speak it into existence. You gotta put yourself in situations. Um, like, it's like you, you can only do the European bedroom tour so long without getting out and being seen and playing, whether it's backyard parties, school during recess, or yeah. for younger kids, how I began was playing in front of people were literally at church. Um, and then talent shows in school, like in second, third grade. Yeah. Any drums at music class. I just wanted to play drums, beat on anything. Um, and, and you know what, being a drummer, dude, I'm so hyper, uh, I'm ADHD and, and, and it's like ADD. Mm -hmm. I, not that you, you don't know as a kid why you have this energy and this this thing to be loud. Yeah. You just have it. Um, and I think that's also, to be an artist these days, you, you, there is somewhat, uh, there's a crazy, we are, um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a crazy chip in us. Not crazy, but just yeah. advantageous. And, and I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's something that's gonna drive you to not be scared to be to put yourself in front of people, or sometimes you're gonna present yourself, present right. a situation, and you just gotta do it. If you have that urge, mm -hmm. like I want to be seen, or I want to, I should meet that person, or if I meet that person, it's gonna lead to that. It's not being an opportunist. It's just right. being aware of who you are, what you gotta do, and you can't think of how and when and where. When you can't put a time on success. Time is just yeah. a Einstein. So you just got to know, I'm, I'm going to get there. Mm -hmm. Universe will show you the way. You don't need to think about it. You just got to feel it in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> no. Dude, I keep feeling that way. Yeah. Well, I I think that's 100% what it is, is not being opportun like, you know, opportunistic, but also in a sense, it is seizing an opportunity where you're like, okay, here's, I mean, you've had, you know, I mean, you, you know, you could go on your website and look at all the people that you've worked with, but those, I mean, that list is incredible for one, but also those are all opportunities. They you know? are. Um, and, and cause you know how the, the word opportunist means like it's trying, it's a very, it's a double-edged sword. Right. Bottom line is this. Yes opportunities do arise and you can't get those, you cannot get those opportunities if you don't present them to yourself. If you don't go out there and make them, shake the hands and kiss the babies. So I understand that. So I understand. So I, opportunist is not the word I was kind of quite using. The right yeah. Word. Well, no, I mean, I know what you mean. Like it's, you know, the, the double meaning in it, but it's more just like putting yourself in the right position and being ready when that time happens. Cause that's I think that's a lot of it. You can always be ready or you can have those opportunities brought to you, but if you're not ready, it's done. doesn't mean it's right. going to happen. doesn't mean it's the end of your career. You just learn from that. You take it in and you go shed or you go and do some self healing on yourself, medicate, meditation, medication, whatever. But you know what I mean? It's like, you got to find yourself sometimes. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta fall on your face to find out who you really are. And yeah. sometimes, being alone 
is the best thing for you, man. Solitude and, and find out who you are, what you're made out of. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of uh, solitude. I think it. If you can't I mean, live yourself and love yourself, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to be successful around other people. Therefore people are not going to want to be around you. Yeah. Well, for sure. And I've, I mean, you know, growing up, which I'm still, you know, relatively young, but definitely have had those phases where I'm like trying to be something different because, oh, well, this is going to make me fit in instead of just embracing that I'm kind of weird, but there's nothing wrong with it. Like, you know, well, it's good to be weird. Huh? That's why you're doing this. Who, who wants to be a presenter like this and like just go into other people's lives and ask them questions like, here I am. I mean, it takes a certain kind of personality like yourself mm-hmm. to be an interviewer, to be, to host a podcast, to host a show, the Cody Tucker show. I mean, I can see all this cool stuff that you have, you created this. I mean, it's an outgoing thing. You're an outgoing personality and you need this. And actually, this is something that makes you happy inside, I'm sure. And therefore you bring, you bring happiness and joy to other people outside in the virtual world that we all now live in now. So it's good that you're doing this. True. I think most people might disagree with you on that, but <laughs> joking. But no, I no, I I I do enjoy doing this and it is awesome just to get to talk to people in different fields, different lives, lives that are completely different from mine and just see what is it like? Like, you know, as simple as it may seem, that's fascinating to me. Yes. And so to kind of, you know, obviously to go back to you, but did you grow up in like in, in an environment where it, your musicality was encouraged. Cause I think it just goes one of two ways. A lot of the times where either your folks, whoever it may be are super against it. And then that makes people strive, you know, to show them wrong or they have parents who are like, no, we would love for you to do this or maybe musicians themselves. I grew up in a very musical uh, household. Um, parents were hippies. Um, my mom's from Downey, California, blonde hair, blue eye. My father uh, is uh, Mexican-American from uh, uh, East Los Angeles, L.A. Um, my dad was a biker. Uh, my uh, family were uh, Mongols. Okay. Biker gang um, that started in 69. And there was an East, LA, East Los Angeles, East L.A. chapter that my family were a part of. So we grew up with music. You get up in the morning and weekends and we had a stereo with these huge speakers in our house in Southgate and in like in Pico Rivera. Stereo would be cranked in the mornings, uh, music all day, vinyls of all sorts, um, drugs, which were, uh, you know, very um, done back in the late 70s and 80s with my family and therefore yeah. kids. My sisters and I, we never partaked in that. We never, I never got high in my life. Um, I drink, but just, I drink wine, but yeah, no alcoholism in me, no drugs. It's just something I chose to do. I don't put judgment on people. I do it. Everybody I know, all my friends, people I know just dabble in it. I don't give a crap what you do. As long as it doesn't affect our friendship or affect what I'm doing on stage with the rest of people then. Um, just for me, I don't want to do any of that stuff because I don't need it. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool. You know, my, my life is recording songs for an artist, making them happy. And I'm being, being on stage with the art, with the artist and making them happy and seeing the crowd every night. That's, that's my ultimate fucking high. Excuse my language. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're good. Yeah. I, 
I mean, with the much smaller version of, you know, what you've had as far as like being on stage, that feeling is wild. I mean, it's euphoric. It's, it's, there's, 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 it's a, there's a sexual thing out in the crowd. There's an aura in the crowd that it's just, it turns me on in, in a way like, like just to play with people and see people. That's the moment I live for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even if you have zero, you know, music knowledge or like musical ability, like just somebody who like show somebody queen at live aid. And like, how are you not going to see that and be like, Oh, this is a religious experience. Uh, dude. Yes. Cody. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. See, Elvis, when Elvis was on the scene for the, in that era, people were, he was taking them to church. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, or like, I mean, I hate to go back, but I'm uh, just a massive Doors fan. But like, when you watch like this, like Doors documentaries, like When You're Strange, which is an amazing documentary, um, like seeing like Jim Morrison's like presence on stage, like it is like seeing a like a god in a certain way, you know. And obviously, he's a human being, had his problems, but yeah, yeah, golden god, you know, Jim Morrison, the golden god, like. That's where those rock and roll terminologies came from because back then to see an artist like that, because remember there was no social media and phones, and so you can capture everything and yeah. then you can upload it. You when George, uh, when Jim Morrison, Elvis, Robert Plant came to your town, you were there. How many days you were there? Where the hotel was? You ditched, you left whatever you had. You found out where they were. That's and when you got to be in front of that, it was like a religious experience. I mean, I get that because I grew up a, a fan of, of bands and I only as a kid, like, oh my God, one day, one day I'm going to meet them. And, and, you know, just, that's just how it is. It starts yeah. from Does it bother you when you're on stage and you just see a crowd of cell phones? Oh, dude. dude Fuck hell, man. It's fucking terrible. And I get it. It's not, look. I get it. They're saving. They want it. They want it. It's what it is. And I, did, I was there, but it's like, because the thing is, they're not into it. Even how they used to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and but now they're just holding still. And it's like, oh god, be in, be in the moment. Be yeah. in the moment. See, my rule of thumb whenever I go to a show is I take a picture at the very beginning, and this is just like, there's my snapshot of what happened, and then I take a picture at the very end. In between that, do I'm watching the band. Like that's like, like I was telling you, just saw the stones, same thing. Like now there is a part of me that wanted to film them doing sympathy for the devil, but totally. why? Like I saw it. Like, I don't need to, I'm not going to watch this video again. Not a lot of people think the way you think you're what, 24, 25, 22, 29, but yeah. yeah. You, people don't think that way. No. People got to get it now and have it. But again, I am not knocking people that shoot the cameras or shoot the user off of photos or videos. That's what they're getting out of it. And I'm glad I'm glad they're there. I mean, mm-hmm. I just did two sold out nights with live. Um, and we played at uh, Qualtech's hometown. Yeah. And we filmed a, a DVD uh, where it's being made now. And um, luckily this crowd, they were huge live fans. And yeah, there's people there taking videos, but um, and it was acoustic show. We did two acoustic shows. We just want to do an intimate private show. Okay. Two nights. And uh, 
people were actually on their feet the whole time. Some, like we were all going, wow, they're actually not sitting down or not that they sit down at our shows, but yeah, usually we see cameras or take the camera. And so people take the camera and you do photos. They were all into it. It was refreshing. We were all going, wow, this was That's like awesome. a real, real show. Yeah. Dude, his voice is incredible. Ed is amazing. Look, you talk about someone, you know, preaching a sermon. Ed does that. And not only that, he gets in depth about the songs he's written back from the first album and and why he'll tell stories. And then we'll go into the song. So you don't just get the wham, bam, thank you, man. You get a little about history of why I felt this, why Ed felt this way and why he wrote these lyrics and why this came to be. And then you go on a musical kind of history journey with him. And it's a special show with us. And, and the sh- every show, it's like you get hit after hit. It's amazing. Yeah. See, and I love that, like that aspect, like the storyteller aspect, you know, like VH1 used to have that show. I guess that maybe they still do storytellers where. Yes, they do. I mean, well, I, remember yeah. I did it. Remember MTV Unplugged? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, um, along with like STP and mm-hmm. uh, Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl Jam. Uh, but the thing about live is they, they never released that. They didn't want to release that because they weren't going to make money on that. MTV would own it. So they like, we're not going to release it. And they were smart. Really? That and is, I mean, yeah, that's a That's why idea. I did this now. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't, I think that's why Nirvana, why they did mostly covers was Kurt Cobain just being like, eh, I, there's some bands that I like that people don't know, like the Meat Puppets. And I'm just going to show cool. their music. You're right, dude. That's why he did that. Exactly. Yeah. And it was brilliant and respectful for Kurt absolutely that's a dude that you know in my head i always think like there's certain musicians that i would love to have met he's yeah. always up on that list bowie is number one probably yep. which we were talking about like you know our love for like bowie but with like i mean you've met jesus like so many people and worked with so many people like who do you kind of think of in your head like god i wish i could have met who this person you know well, well i mean John Lennon, yeah, one. Um, Kurt Cobain. Um, I mean, I mean John Bonham, Keith Moon, yeah, Miss Joplin. Um, I would love to have met Chester Bennington. I mean, I mean, yeah. rest in peace, uh, Chris Cornell. I worked with Chris, and yeah, remember having uh, intimate and and um, just engaging moments with Chris and him watching him create a song from. Uh, from scratch and writing lyrics upstairs at AM and just uh, yeah musical just moments that we're not gonna have again so yeah yeah but anyways and we created some really beautiful music at that time yeah I mean he you know obviously like that's probably pretty personal for you but just an amazing amazingly talented human being and like I am so regretful. So like I had tickets to go see nine inch nails whenever they were on tour with Soundgarden. Oh yeah. And I didn't yeah. go. And he was just uh, Yeah. It just bothered me so much that yeah. I like didn't see it, you know. Because you think like, oh, I'll just go see him next time. Yeah. <sighs> Man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and both amazing bands to see. That's a, that would have been one hell of a show. I mean, I love Trent. yeah yeah there's certain people that i guess like hit you at a at the right age and like at the right moment in your life like and trent reznor and nine inch nails is that 
to me. Like just being like a weird kid, but not even really that weird. I was just weird compared to every other kid in the little hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, and, <laughs> dude, exactly. And whenever you grow up in like some little hick town, like if yeah. you listen to Marilyn Manson and you grow up in like a very religious city, you're immediately like, okay, there's something yeah, weird yeah. about this. Exactly. But then like nine inch nails, I was like, oh, there's people out here who are also weird and yeah. people love them. People love nine inch nails. Like well, did, machine, that his first album, that was an amazing kind of a pop electronic album, pop songs. Um, Amazing album, Pretty Hate Machine, so good. I mean, uh, oh my god! I mean, I, I love Nine Shows Amazing. One of my favorite artists. But yeah. I still would love to play with him in those trends. Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. Did you? So, like, growing up in a house filled with music, were there people? Because this has been a thing for me. Were there musicians or artists that like your folks listened to? That as a kid you just fucking hated, but then as you got older you were like. Oh man, these people are incredible. Mine is actually Elvis. I didn't like Elvis as a kid, you know, I just didn't get it. Like I didn't understand what was so cool. Cause like, you know, I'm listening to like Metallica and shit. I'm like Elvis. As I've gotten older, man, I've just like come to appreciate that that guy was the guy, you know? He was, I mean, he inspired Zeppelin and inspired um, like the Beatles. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Man. I mean, I mean, for me, that was, I mean, oh, my God. I'm going to have to say, which I grew, grew to love, and I love her now, is um, Linda Ronstadt. I mean, yes, that is another one. I my, So, like, my grandparents were also into, like, Linda Ronstadt. Um, and, yeah, I didn't get it, but now, yeah, Linda Ronstadt's amazing. Van Morrison is another one that yeah, I, course, I have yeah. now become Linda a massive Linda. fan. Yeah, Van well, Morrison's incredible. Uh, as, as, as we get older, you realize, oh, well, well, my parents are cool. They actually were listening to this all this good songs. Yeah. Well, no but, you know, we're kids, we're toddlers. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Dude, okay, so when you're going to do like studio work with, which again, like check out, you know, your website, you can see the, I mean, the range of people that you've worked with is wild. Do you have to kind of, like get a feel for like the like does every artist have kind of a different atmosphere of their studio or is there kind of like a model that they go off of um as in terms of how their studio is set up or the way they work the way they work the way they work more so like like you know i mean i imagine some people want zero outside distractions some people might have a like an entourage like i mean you know like that kind of stuff well, funny story is uh, one story working with Alvin Levine. This had to be 2006 with uh, with two amazing songwriters, Kara DeGuardi uh, and Brian Howes. <clears throat> amazing songwriters produced lots of huge acts um, just on their own. Um, and I've been lucky to work with both of them. Anyways, I was working with Avril on a song for a record. She just got married to Derek from Sum 41. And... Um, I remember it was just her, Kara, the engineer, Brian Howes, and, and we, we tracked the song, we break for lunch. And this was at a place called Conway, which is on Melrose um, in Hollywood. And she's, oh yeah, you know, we just took some photos for the album and Derek, my husband took the photos and she showed us. I'm like, and I just happened to say, wow, but it's not, I go, that's amazing. Not, you know, you don't need a professional photographer. 
because you're, you're so photographic. You're very, you're beautiful. You're just cool. Yeah. I was fired. I like we were done with lunch. I had to go home. Um, so you got to learn to read people. Yeah. It's just so fucking dumb, dude. That's that's kind of crazy. I mean, and years later, I go on tour with Daughtry and Nickelback. We're in Europe, and Avril and Chad just got married, and we were like best friends. It, that's okay. how these people are. Because I mean, these are some of these artists. I mean, when you're successful that early age for Avril, yeah, stunted in that era because you're given and hadn't fed everything. And I'm not knocking her. I'm just saying this is yeah. it's just how these people. When you're given the world at like 15, as it was for her, because she wrote amazing songs and she deserved it, but you're you're kind of like not in tune with the reality of what's going on around you. You just have yes people. But right. So we were in the UK, and I remember for some reason we just got along and we're fucking drinking and having a good time. Chad's like, dude, Rod Diaz, hang out with her, and, you know. And we were all hanging out, and she did not remember once, and I didn't bring it up. So, you know, I didn't give a shit to bring it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and uh, Billy Corgan, I remember I was working with Billy and I left Hole in 2016 or 15, I don't know, to go record a record with Billy Corgan. And I fly to Chicago. And one of my favorite bands is The Pumpkins. Same. I love Billy. I love The Pumpkins. And I know all their songs. Mm -hmm. So I go out there. We had a schedule recording the new album from like 10 to 2 and start rehearsing for the Pumpkins' first acoustic tour, which they actually did. Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's to me, I, yes, I was quite aware of his personality and how he is, and but I, I'm, I want to go on face value. I want to meet you, be in a room with you. But unfortunately, his personality perceived him, and I couldn't shake off the the dark pumpkin vortex of the aura there. And it's like, I'm a happy-go-lucky fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, we got done recording. And we're like the day before leaving. And uh, I wasn't in my right mind space. I wasn't in tune with his trip, his plan. And um, I, I end up gracefully bowing out, right? And he was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I said, well, I can tell there's some issues going on. I don't know what it is. I mean, we haven't even turned up amps. We were rehearsing acoustically. Like we didn't get to play fucking zero. Yeah. Silver Fuck, all these amazing songs that I wanted to play, which I would and I would love Jimmy Chamberlain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's fucking tore it up. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows, yeah. don't wrong, you're going to play with the pumpkins. This is your fucking band. Wait till Billy fucking sees you play, which he did. He saw me play with Courtney. Mm -hmm. But I never got to be in a room with him and, and like go, you ready, Billy? Let's fucking go. Yeah. And, and, and what, what it is is for the first time, I let someone get into my mind and fuck me. Like, like I went on a trip and it was like, what the fuck's going on? And yeah. I just, you're, you're, you're just too much. Yeah. I mean, I can, you know, I'm in a massive smashing pumpkins. I love the pumpkins. No ill will. I'm glad they're still doing it. Jimmy came back after yeah. I and I love Jimmy and I see Billy every once in a while here in LA. So it's all good. That's just one experience. That yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you learn from it too. You just learn, right? And you know, and the ego is just a an interesting thing. Like some people are on a massive level of fame, and the ego just doesn't get bigger. And then some people, oh, it, you know, it does. And you just gotta. I I guess for you, you know, especially 
you've probably had to just kind of learn how to like get a read on what their ego is. If there is one, you know, and well, kind of learn how to walk around it. Everyone has an ego. You got, dude, I have to be a psychologist. You got to learn to read people and you got to learn as a drummer, for, especially for me being, you know, having my, my ADD, I've mm-hmm. learned now to just listen. Um, and, 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 and my excitement is all because I'm excited and happy to be there, happy for my surrounding. And I know what I'm going to give to you. I know what I'm going to deliver to you. But so, some of these people from that era, like from Peter Murphy with Bauhaus, which I yeah. love. Yeah. Which we're still good friends to this, to this day. And we're going to work together again. But he's a person that, you know, you learn to just, sh- sh- hang out, email um he speaks, he, you know, we talk to him because really you're there to serve. I'm my job's to serve the drone, to serve you fans. I'm there to play the parts. I'm not there to be your friend or your best friend or your fucking kick pillow. I'm there to play drums and take off to the hotel, meet you on the bus the next day or the, or the plane. Um, but no, dude, everyone has an ego in this era of that era, especially. Mm-hmm. You just got to learn to roll with it and just go, okay, cool. I'm yeah. here. That's why they brought me here. My, that's my purpose. And that's my sole purpose only. If they want anything else out of that, after that, then ask me and, and we shall proceed. But yeah, you, just gotta, you know, was there ever anyone that you were surprised? Like, like you kind of had a misconception about them as far as, oh, I bet I've heard they're difficult or whatever. Then you meet them. You're like, holy shit, this person's awesome. Courtney Love. Really? Really? Courtney- the coolest fucking woman. She's a wonder woman to me. She's just amazing. She'll talk to you. You can ask questions. And, um, and she's fun. She's not a fucking deadbeat. And she still fucking has a good time, has stories to tell, and 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 wants to make sure that you're you're hanging out and, and engaging. She doesn't want you to be a fucking, you know, like a, a limp dick. She wants you to fucking engage. And it's it, it's like it's 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 awesome because you feel yeah. that it's like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, that's, I've kind of felt like, I felt like she's always gotten a bad rap, you know? Of course, man. She's the fucking, she's the, she's the dirty rocker chick of the industry. But guess what? You don't, you don't, you don't get ahead in life if you're just a fucking quiet little mouse. You got to make some headways. And she actually literally is from that generation. Yeah. Drug addict, alcohol. Fucking, she was a stripper at a place called Jumbos. And, and she came all out of that rubble to this fucking glorified human being in the sense of glorified means to this iconic musician mm-hmm. that we all know now in 2003, yeah. you know, I, I don't dig deep into her private life. That's not why I'm there again. I'm here to only serve the music, but mm-hmm. when I'm with her, she was very fucking cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. See, I like hearing like that kind of story, you know, because so many people focus on like, oh, I wonder if this person's an asshole. Like, I'd I'd rather hear that somebody is actually cool as shit. You yeah, know? I mean, like, even Billy wasn't an asshole. He yeah, just, it just it was a moment in his career. He was just wanting to get Jimmy back. Remember, because I came in after Brad Wilk. Brad Wilk was playing right. with with the Pumpkins for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Brad had to depart to do something, and then I got came in. I think it was just too much change for Billy. And I think when he was starting to, to talk to Chamberlain again, which so right is his place to be in that band. Yeah. I think, All right, this is where we can make a clean change. 
but he should have handled it differently instead of taking it out the way he did. Yeah. Anyways, no ill will on Billy. I still yeah. a huge fan. For sure, for sure. I mean, all those things, situations are just so complicated, it seems like. To yeah. where, like, I mean, is anyone really like a hero or a villain? Or is there just a lot of shit going on? You know? Like, that's kind of more how I look at it, but yeah. So the more money you make, the more problems you have. <laughs> Hell yeah. And this is yeah. the people we play with. I mean, yeah. So whenever you're going into the studio, do you tip is it typically like a situation? maybe like a Pete Townsend situation where he's already kind of like done everything and laid out like what the drum should be, then brings in Keith moon to kind of moon it up. Or do they kind of like want you to improvise or kind of stick to a script? Is my, it's my who? Hell yeah. <laughs> Dude. Pete Townsend is incredible. Like I'm such a fucking fan of, Oh my God. Yeah. Really, Can you guys see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Right there, right there. And here's my Keith Moon again. The Who. God damn. Bonham. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. See, Bonham is my, that's my like top of the level, dude. Neil, Neil Peart also, but um, I know it's, it feels wrong, but I know that that is the right way to do it. So I try not to be a If you're a fan, that's awesome that you're actually, you're digging and doing your homework. Try to try to. It's a fascinating world, you know, like the history of it is just fucking amazing. But, but yeah, so I mean, as far as that goes, like in the studio, like how much of that is you getting to be you? It's all me, but because I mean, every record I do, because that's why they're calling you. Um, not gonna what it's because you, you come in with a name and people call you for that service. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the thing is, I'm a simple drummer. I'm a song drummer because I'm a songwriter. I like to play guitar. I grew up, you know, loving bands that were all about songs. And as I play drums to a song, if I'll get a scratch demo of a song, I'll listen to it and they'll, they'll send me like a, a guitar track and a vocal track demoed and with the arrangement. And then they'll just like, all right, dude, here's your thing. This is your, this is the sketch of the song. What would you do? Or sometimes I'll get a program drum machine track. Just uh -huh. go, the idea, but do you. Okay. Which is fine. But no, dude, I, I you at this point in my career, you have to know what you're fucking doing or you're just not, you don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, no one's actually told me, play this, play that there. Um, right. and, and I don't mind because there's no ego here. I know I, I'm not a mind reader and I didn't write your song. But I know you you brought me here so because you know I can do whatever you want me to do. So you yeah. tell me where you want to go and I'll do it. That's how it is. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of like the stories that you hear a lot of the times are or at least some of the stories I've heard is like the kind of like, no, I said play this, you play this. Now these are stories from like a while back. Like I've heard yeah. stories about like, well, it's just I mean, I'll just say Elton John is one that I've heard a few times where it's like, oh shit. But what do you, I didn't hear. I didn't hear anything like that. Wow. But I, I don't, I mean, who knows if that's even true? Elton John also is a genius. So yes. gotta just kind of listen to what he says. But, you know, it, it, yeah, it's good to know that, like, that, that, e that if someone has that ego, it doesn't like step into the like creative process of like, no, I still want this to be the best version it can be. So I'm gonna let you do 
whatever the hell you want to do to make it that level, you know? Normally, they'll let you do a couple of passes of what you want. Usually, it's two or three passes. Then, even after the first pass, because you, you, you go through it, and it's, it sounds good, I mean, that's what I do. I try to strive for, I'll go as many takes as you want. And yet, usually, I'm in, the drum, I'm in the drum booth, and they're in the control room listening. Or mm-hmm. sometimes, I get to play live with the band, which is great. And then you, as you start to get it, you push record, do three takes, and you'll pick the best one, whatever. It's called musicians playing live and recording off the floor. Right, um, right. And But no, sometimes you'll hear back, all right, now, Robin, in the chorus, let's try this kick pattern. Doom, ga, doom, doom, ga, as opposed to what? Doom, ga, doom, 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 ga. You're like, okay, cool. So you make a little chart and or boom, 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 boom. And they'll just cut you in at that course or cut you okay. in at that well. I mean, and then it's done. But, dude, all that is, like, subjective. It's, like, whatever. Because sometimes when they're in the editing process of the drum track and they hear actually hear the guitars with that certain pattern, mm-hmm. they're going to fit or not. So they actually have the option to put in. Yeah. Right, right. See, I like the idea of recording the band live, of you course. know, which I don't know. I mean – how often would you say that happens? Because it seems like that's a thing that is probably less common than it used to be, if it was ever really that common. Well, I just did that. Yeah, you're right. Um, I've done that with a country artist that's from um, Ojai not too long ago. We were up in the Valley recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all recorded live in the room with all these amazing musicians. So we did that that way. It's really cool. Um, and then I just recorded the new POD album up in Encinitas, California, which is a killer album. Okay. I can't wait the album comes out. And I love all those guys. The, the new POD album is going to rip heads off. Yeah. Oh, but um, that was one of those, those um, albums that Marcos, Sonny, were working with this producing team called The Heavies up here in Hollywood. And they were just putting the songs together. They would invite me down to the sessions just to kind of meet everyone and uh, listen to what's going on. They get done. Uh, they did like, you know, finish the whole album doing that. Then they send me the tracks and go, dude, here's the, here's the rough sketch. What would you do? Get the idea of this. We might have some reference drums for you, but I mean, that's just how that was. I mean, and yes, the point I'm bringing up is mm-hmm. that record process was songs were already written. Therefore they sent me the demos. I got my studio, worked on things. Went to the studio and we, we got it done. The last track we did in the album, we needed like an up tempo rocker one. Like like the whole everything is rocking, but something right. like you got to get. And Marcos was like, dude, DS, I got this riff, get behind the kit. And a matter of like 15 minutes, hashing each part out, we tracked it live off the floor, guitar and drums. And then it was just like it was magic. It was, I mean, yeah. those are the moments like when you why you learn your instrument in the first place. You're learning your instrument because you want to play and just mm-hmm. you know, get people in a room and get together. So we did that with the song in the new POD album, and it was just blistering. Everyone's like, what the fuck did we just get? Yeah. Amazing. See, that to me, that those always end up being the best songs are the ones that come together just like super quick, out of nowhere. I mean, shit like Little Wing, that was like the whole story behind Little Wing is that he just needed an extra song. Yep. I mean, yeah, like 
I mean, there's a million of those stories, but they all end up being incredible. Like um, Satisfaction, I think, from Rolling Stones was kind of the same way. Oh, he dreamt that he made the riff, which is fucking nuts. But yeah, that is the whole. Well, I don't know if it's true, but I I did hear that story as well. Yeah, that he woke up and had a tape recorder next to his bed and was like, what the fuck is this? And like, didn't remember that he had recorded the riff in his sleep, basically, which who knows? on jack yeah i mean now <laughs> there's no telling how much uh else is involved in that but you know yeah that is it's a fascinating world like the studio world i've always wanted to just kind of like be a fly on the wall so i used to watch those classic albums documentaries i don't yes, know if you ever watch those yeah exactly and that to me like just being like seeing how these albums are made and seeing like the fuck-ups yeah. that kept you know like there's so many of those, like Sweet Home Alabama, when Ronnie Van Zandt says, Not My Goddamn Donuts. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that in the no, song. I didn't, I didn't, but I, I can imagine, like, they're showing the, the outtakes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, incredible stuff. But, like, if you could go back in time and work on an album, doing what you do, but doing it for one specific album, what do you think you would want to go back to? OK Computer, Radiohead. Really? I would I okay. Friends, I would love to have worked. I would love to actually be the drummer for Radiohead. I would <laughs> love to play with the band Smile with Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. Uh, but they have an amazing drummer named Tom Skinner, who's amazing. But that album has always been fascinating to me, especially how it was made with Nigel Godrich, the producer. Just the, the intricacies of that process, and or sometimes the simplicity. You, I mean, you have to dive, you have to do a deep dive into that record or the history of Radiohead to actually understand that. But yeah, that's one record. Um, and Zeppelin Four. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, that is a yeah. That's a that's I mean, dream. No gish for Pumpkins for me. I would love to have done the first gish album. I mean, you know, Nirvana team. Dude, there's so many fucking records. <laughs> I know you really uh, could go on for an hour just talking was, about that. I wish I recorded uh, "Live Through This" whole uh, with Courtney Love. I mean, we got the granted we got to play those songs every night, but yeah, well, that album is such an iconic fucking album. Every song is amazing on that album. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I always have like kind of the ones in my mind, and it's you know very similar ones too. But like, also the Wall. I'm just a massive Pink Floyd fan, and. So is Billy. I mean, we used to rehearse, warm up to um, um, Hello, no, uh, uh, Comfortably Numb, yeah. Warm up to that, just like, oh, dude, yes. Yeah, which he did Space Oddity Live whenever yeah. I saw Smashing Pumpkins, like, the first time. And I always thought, God damn, this is such an amazing version of that song. Yeah, like, and, yeah. and I love Mason. He's an amazing drummer, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, God damn. Okay, so... I mean, I guess probably last question before we, you know, wrap things up, but who do you think, because there are a lot of drummers who just don't get enough credit. And now obviously there's like the Keith Moon, John Bonham, Neil Peart, who all deserve to be like the top three, basically. But who is someone that you think is just like criminally underrated as a drummer? You're like, how the fuck are they not put at that level? Because um, oh um, I can give you mine. Or yours. Mine. Phil Collins. Oh my God. Absolutely. Thank you. Phil, I love Phil Collins. Being a Phil song. Collins is incredible. Phil Collins as well. 
Yeah, Genesis is like the early Peter Gabriel Genesis is probably my top three favorite bands of all time. I do love the Genesis, like, you know, 80s um, Abacab, like, or I think it's Abacab is one of the albums, but like, I love the 80s Phil Collins frontman Genesis, but I love the Peter Gabriel, just like Selling England by the Pound, like yes. that album. Yeah, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah. Yes, when, when Phil was actually, when Phil was playing drums. Yes. There's only one drummer there, I think, right? Uh, wait, only one drummer then? Yeah, because they had two yes. drummers, they had two drummers when Phil started singing. Right, they had a like an auxiliary drummer kind of. Yes, and and, and then like a major. He's, he's famous. Uh, I, I know. Shame, and I love him. I know, I know, I know. I can't remember it either, but I know exactly who you're thinking of. But yeah, Phil Collins to me, and obviously he's underrated because people just think of him as a vocalist, as they should, because he's a fucking amazing singer, but. Holy shit, those first couple of Genesis albums. Oh, like, yeah. the drumming is incredible. Yes, dude. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, I think one of my, one, I mean, I love um, Phil from Radiohead. He's such yeah. an amazing, thoughtful drummer. Simple. Yeah. And that's what, that's why he's in one of the most successful bands in the world. Uh, Chamberlain from um, um, Coldplay. Amazing drummer. Yeah. And sings all the harmonies. He's kind of like the MD of the band for Chris Martin. I mean, I like drummers like that. Uh, Peter okay. Chris from Kiss. I mean, it was yeah. He was just a kid. Peter Chris is very underrated. Like, Bill Ward, sure. Sabbath. I, Bill's a buddy of mine. I love Sabbath. And Bill Ward is, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, yeah, those. It's the greatest rhythm section in rock history, I think. Definitely. Sabbath, Geezer yeah. Butler, and Bill Ward. Yes. Like a hundred percent, which I mean, Zeppelin, of course, too, because I think John Paul Jones is very underrated, but of course he is. Yeah. yeah dude, but before the pandemic, dude, funny small little side note. Okay. Before the pandemic hit, I was supposed to go into rehearsals with um Bill uh, uh Geezer Butler's band, um um oh my gosh. And Steve Stevens on guitar. Um, oh really? From yeah, Billy Idol, isn't that yeah. Steve Stevens? Yeah, okay. Uh, and um, and uh, my buddy uh, Frankie Perez on vocals, and we were going to start rehearsals at a place called Nate's. Uh -huh. And then I got a call from uh, Gloria, um, Gloria Butler, uh, uh, Geezer's wife, saying, "Hey, we got we got to cancel because people are getting sick and this thing's happening." I'm like, "Oh, fucking hell!" I really wanted to go out. Uh, uh, Deadland, Dead, uh, Deadland Ritual. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadland Ritual. I think yeah. Killer band. Oh my Amazing. God. But I was going to be so happy to go play with Geezer Butler because I love Sabbath. Yes. Yeah. The last one I can think of. And I. Ozzy. Oh, one of my under, most underrated drummers, I think, is uh -huh. Lee Kerslick. Lee Kerslick, rest in peace. He's passed away. Who was the original drummer for Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman? He was a drummer for Uriah Heat. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Two albums on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman with Randy Rhodes. Mm hmm. Yeah, drumming is it takes you out of your body? It's an out of body experience. This drumming because the parts you played back in the late the late seventies, and oh my god! Wait, so he was the drummer for Uriah Heep? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was. That's a, that's an inc a very underrated band to me. Sure. Was it's one of no? Well, I do. Like, I was thinking of UFO also, but um, yeah, Uriah Heep is fucking amazing. Wait, and then it was Vinny. I always I say the name wrong every yeah, fucking time. Yes, wasn't he like later on? Because his dad, I think, is like probably second most underrated. Carmine. No, no, that's their brothers. 
Vinny and Carmen Apice, they're brothers. They're brothers? Yeah, Vinny was I in I did Dio. not know that. Yeah, he was in Dio. Really? Um, yeah, dude. Uh, Heaven and Hell. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Vinny or, and Carmine you know, co-wrote mm. Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. Well, Vanilla Fudge is what I was... Vanilla Fudge? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Vanilla Fudge is one of my favorite bands, too, but... That's I did. I am an idiot, dude. I don't know how I didn't know that. That's so crazy. You're 18 years old. How you gonna know that? (laughs) True. Knowing that Vanilla Fudge is a band uh, is pretty rare. I would imagine for someone my age. I mean, but he is God. That yeah. There's just so many really that are just Tommy Aldridge. He started playing after Lee Kerslick. Yeah. For White Snake. My God. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Was White Snake for him too. Yeah, Rudy Sarza is one of my dear friends. We record records all the time together. Yeah, and uh, Rudy would give me beautiful stories about Randy Rhodes and, and Tommy. And oh, yeah, yeah, see, as someone who like grew up playing the guitar, Randy Rhodes was always like my guy and Dimebag because I grew up in Texas, like you know, outside of Dallas. So, Dime, both. yeah, both, yeah, exactly. Like, also, Alex Van Halen, very underrated, very underrated, but I mean, dude, brilliant. Every song, every yeah. drum part was brilliant, well orchestrated. Oh yeah. my god, that yeah. guy! You go on days about him, Stuart Copeland. Yes, oh my fuck, yes, dude. Stuart Copeland is amazing. The police, I mean, obviously Sting, incredible, but Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland are, you well, know, dude. One of my favorite drummers now, and is a is a uh, an acquaintance of mine, is a guy named Josh Freeze who who plays. Oh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails. Amazing! Oh my gosh! If oh, he's incredible. Have, if I could have an inkling of his talent and that much of a pinky, <laughs> is he left-handed? Or am no, I wrong no. about that? No, he's. I think he's right-handed. He's okay. right-handed. Okay, because there's something about like how he plays that's very like. Oh no, that's a, no, that's Elon Rubin. He's the new drummer for. See, okay. come, on, come on now, I got, I gotta, no. Uh, Elon Rubin, which is another person I know as well. I know him and Josh, but no, Elon Rubin now. That's too, yeah. Amazing. And he, and he has his own band yeah. as well. Yeah. He's a great singer. Great songwriter. Yeah. And then last one that I always think of is, um, God damn, I just forgot his name. Deep Purple's drummer, like the original Deep Purple drummer. Oh my God. Uh, Ian Pace. Yes. Yes. Deep Purple is a very, I mean, that's another one, like top <laughs> five bands. Ian Pace, dude. Yeah, man, that's amazing. Well, dude, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you about drum, like drumming all oh, fucking day. That's a good time, baby. <laughs> Wait, okay. If you were, if you were going to just completely re, like learn a completely new instrument, give up drums, like go back in time, what instrument would you have picked? Piano. I'm the same way, dude. Like, I mean, it, yeah, I love playing guitar. I like to write songs, but. Piano is like the essence, uh, harpsichord, um, because that's like both uh, Beethoven, uh, Bach. Yes. Oh my God. You yeah. Know? Yeah. See, I tried learn. I mean, I can play the piano a little bit, but like, I'm a huge Billy Joel fan and Elton John. Elton John is my, I mean, another huge one. And so, like, I was like, damn, I would really love to learn how to play the piano. And it is, it's, it has its similarities to, you know, to the guitar, but. Yeah, I always thought like I would have loved to have like been forced into piano lessons. <laughs> like yeah. I was so jealous when kids would bitch about being in piano lessons. Like, damn, 
I kind of really want to be in piano. <laughs> like I want to be like Elton John. You ask, why didn't you ask your family, hey, I want to play an instrument? I mean, a piano. I know you play guitar a little bit, but. That's a good question. Well, I think the guitar kind of just took up too, not necessarily too much of my time, but I was already just so deep into guitar. I mean, I was playing like six or seven hours a day on most days. I mean, and. That's amazing. That's really, that's really cool. I mean, I was. I have like just a thing where like, if I get interested in something, I get too like, like where I lose time, if that makes sense. Like where I don't notice that it's now three o'clock in the morning. That's that's because you have the passion for it. You love it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I did. I mean, all growing up, I had a fucking massive passion for playing the guitar because I was just obsessed with people like Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, obviously at the top. Yeah. But yeah, and just learning like okay, one more wow. that that is underrated and is amazing. Wait, Larry what? Mullins. Larry Mullins. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, Larry Mullins is super underrated. Love Larry Mullins. I love you too. I. That's the fucking band I wish I could play for. I would love to have recorded every record. Because yeah, dude, that Rattle and Hum documentary is. Yeah. One of my favorite ones to watch. Yeah, and you know, right now playing drums for because you know Mary, Larry is having some um, some he's taking time off right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this they're doing this residency in, in um, Vegas, and drumming for them is Bono's son's band's drummer. Really? Okay. This fucking kid, lucky. <laughs> yeah. I know he's got a he's a great drummer. You got to be a great drummer to, to step into that to be such a yeah. But good for him, right? Oh, that's incredible, dude. Yeah, I yeah, wish that, yes, that's amazing. I'm, I'm gonna see a show as well. So right yeah, on. dude. That yeah, you two is such a I mean, just like the you know, the rhythm section. Bono, obviously amazing, but Larry Mullen, Edge, like those guys like are just holy yeah, shit. We stuck around together with each other all these years. That that holds its own weight, you know, right there. Yeah. So oh, it definitely does. Yeah, that's Damn, there was another one that just popped into my mind and I completely lost it. But oh well. Um, yeah, man, I could talk about this Actually, shit all day. You, know, you, know, you got my number. Call uh, yeah, I'll let you know. Damn, that bo- it, it's such, it bothers me like more than you could imagine <laughs> when this happens. It but, got it, man. It go. It's on the tip of your tongue. I know, I know. But yeah, man. So obviously, you know, hidden- know you're gonna say Phil Rudd from ACDC. Okay, this is gonna, you know, sound bad. I'm not a massive ACDC fan. All right. Just I yeah, but I, mean, I love him. I love ACDC. I I like well, I definitely like Bon Scott ACDC. Wait, who was the was it Chris Slade? Is that the drummer? That was, that was um on Fly on the Wall. Yeah. Yeah, the guy okay. Thunder. Yes, yes. Okay, so that's I that I always get Chris Slade and Phil Rudd. The, the eye, the, the eye, the hills have eyes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I say, I mean, I do like ACDC, like the early Bon Scott era. Yeah. Definitely. I, mean, a fan. I, mean, I love Brian Johnson. I remember, I remember walking in 1981 or 80 walking. Uh, it's when you kids can walk in your neighborhood dark and, and not be kidnapped or fucking molested. Yeah. Kids these days, there's a lot of weird shit going on, but, um, I went to a place called Thrifties, and you can get ice cream, you can get records there, magazines, and I bought 
hip printed with Angus Young on it. It was Purple Magazine. I remember I just had like some, you know, candy money. And I think it was like $1.50. And I bought it. And all it was about back in black, back in black. So I get home. My dad's already rocking the record, smoking fucking, there's a sea of smoke in the air. It's like, yeah. Night, blasting that album. And I'm like, oh, this is that band. And dude, Hell's Bells. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. And Mutt Lang just made. Yeah. And amazing. An incredible and producer. Mutt Lang's nuts in UK backstage after a Nickelback show. And it's hilarious. That's all I'm going to say. And we laughed about it. <laughs> a bottle of wine on Mutt Lang's lap because I was a little drunk, as we all were. Well, why not? I mean, when in Rome. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Max Weinberg is who I was thinking of. Amazing. Yeah, that's I. Uh, yeah, the E Street Band gets very overlooked, like just because there's about fifty of them, and you know, and old Clarence kind of took, I think, a lot of the popularity. But I mean, as he should. But Max Weinberg, God damn, he's incredible. <laughs> and little Stevie, little Stevie deserves more credit. Hey, no <laughs> I mean the like the last person you would think that would be a like famous guitarist is Steven Van Zant, but he is and he's incredible. I don't know what it is, but yeah, Max Weinberg, that's who I was thinking. He's of. amazing. Max is amazing. Man, like the drumming in especially like Darkness on the Edge of Town and Born to Run like is so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. But all right, man, I know we're I'm Keep Liberty, it Liberty DeVito, Billy Joel, another. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah. That's another one too. That. And before yeah, we there's... go, I want to say, um, uh, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. You're always gonna be loved and and, and missed. And um, wasn't too long ago, a week ago, was the passing of the, uh, the day of your passing, and we love and respect you. And and uh, you made a mark on this on this planet, buddy. Uh, Did you know him well? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a man. I mean, that's tough. I mean, it just all around sucks. Dude seemed like a very good person. Obviously, I didn't know him or anything, but awesome. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you could just tell that a person is like, you know, a solid dude without ever meeting him. You could just tell he's not pretentious. There's no ego there. Just want he just love like all of us love he loved uh drumming as a kid and just he worshiped queen and roger taylor and you know all that stuff as we all do. yeah so hey thank oh, you for yeah. having me dude thank you so much man i had a blast <laughs> all right man well you take care have a good one let me uh